definitely blessed to see Corey and Christy back. Man, it's it's not the same. Yeah. It is not the same without you truly. And like just to see y'all's faces here is a blessing and we're so glad that you're back. Um anyway, so we have been in a, for about a month now. We've been in a series that's been based out of Luke chapter 4. And what happens in Luke chapter 4 is is that Jesus walks into the synagogue that he grew up in, and he's handed the scroll that contains the book of Isaiah, and and he turns to a specific place in the book of Isaiah because this is a very important moment, And, and there's something very specific he wants to communicate to this group of people, but not only that group of people, to us. And, and he turns to what we know as Isaiah 61. And, and here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 4 in verse 18. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The Bible says that after he read that, he, he sat down in, in, in the place of authority or as a teacher, and everybody was just staring at him, waiting to see, what is this guy going to say next? And, and, and what he says is, is he says, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And what he was saying was, as he says, the one that Isaiah was talking about that would be anointed... That guy's me. And, and by saying that, he was claiming to be the Messiah. And, and he was saying, not only that, but here's my job description. Here's what I'm on the planet to do. I, I'm going to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. I'm going to preach deliverance to the captives. And, and, and so the reason that this is more than just a, a nice little study for us is because that when Jesus came to this planet, God gave him a body, and in that body he came to fulfill the Father's plan. And, and, and what that plan was, and the itinerary that he had for his work on this planet, was to go to the people that we just looked at in his ministry. And we can go to the Gospels and we can see that's exactly what he did. And so the reason it's more than just a nice little series is because we're the body of Christ now. <laughs> so, so that was not only Jesus' job description for him and his earthly body, it's the job description of the body of Christ today. And that's why we've been calling this series the Parallel Paradigm. The paradigm is essentially a model or an example, and that, of course, is Jesus And just like two parallel lines that are heading in the same direction, accomplishing the same thing, and ending up in the same place, only separated by space, our ministry should head in the same direction, accomplish the same things, and end up in the same place as Jesus' ministry, only separated by time. He did it then, we're to do it now. When Corey and I did the DNA of Christ series, we looked at who Jesus was. And so that's who we're to be. In this series, we've been looking at what Jesus did. So that's what we're to do. So, so each week, we've been asking ourselves, what would, it just, what would it look like if we as the body of Christ just showed up where he wants us to show up? Where would we go? Who are these brokenhearted people? Who are these poor? Who are the, who are the captives that, he, that he's talking about here in Luke chapter 4. And so each week we've looked at a, at a different group of people. And, and so last week we, we looked at the captives. And this morning we're going to be talking about having a ministry that's a parallel paradigm to the ministry uh, of Jesus to the blind. And Jesus said, part of my job description, part of the reason I came to this planet is to provide recovering of sight to the blind 
And each week as we've discussed these different groups of people mentioned in Luke 4, 18 and 19, each week we've started with the fact if we're really going to have a ministry that's a parallel paradigm to the ministry of Jesus, there are four things that are going to have to be true of us individually and true of us as a church. And what we've done is we've just used the same outline each week for these different groups of people. And what we've started talking with typically is, is the key ingredient being the heart. And, and we're, we're never going to approach the people of the world like Jesus until that new heart that we got at salvation, until that heart is free to be what God intended and we're connected with and we capture God's heart of this thing. And so last week we tried to catch God's heart for the captives. And, and, and we watched a video just to give us a glimpse of, man, one of the many groups of captives that are on this planet right now. And, and, and this week we're going to be talking about who the blind are. And, and, and I want us to see who these people are in modern times. But before we get to the heart of the matter and before we get to the heart of Jesus for the blind, I think it's best that we should make a 21st century identification of who these people are making a 21st century identification of the blind. If we're going to have a ministry that's a parallel paradigm to the ministry of Jesus, we must make a 21st century identification of the blind. This answers the question, who? Who is to be the focus of our ministry? If Jesus says it's the blind, then, then who is it that we're actually talking about here in the 21st century? So, First of all, let's look at, at letter A, the situation and statistics from a physical perspective. The situation and statistics from a physical perspective. Do you realize this morning that there are 43 million blind people in the world? You, you realize that despite advances in technology, there are more people blind today than there were 20 years ago? Now, there are more people, too, but that's still, that's still a crazy thought. And, and, and when Jesus came here in an earthly body, the Bible says that part of his job description was to bring recovery of sight to the blind. And, and as we look at Jesus' ministry, we can see numerous occasions that's exactly what he did. If you have any familiarity with the Bible, you've read some of those stories. He did exactly that. So, so what I'm suggesting to you this morning is that God's desire has never changed. The body of Christ is still present on this planet, and now the body of Christ is us. So now that description of ministry and itinerary for ministry that he laid out is the description and itinerary for our ministry. God has us here as the body of Christ to provide recovering of sight to the blind. Now, I want to make sure you understand I haven't lost my ever-loving marbles, I do understand that Jesus was a little different than us. He, he had the ability and, and the power of God and gift of healing, and he had the ability to physically go heal blind eyes. So I'm not suggesting that we have that first century gift of healing. I mean, unless Benny Hinn comes walking down that door, nobody's going to be healing anybody today. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't live in a miracle age. There are three miracle ages in the Bible, and they're all when God is revealing his truth. Moses, the prophets, and the day of Jesus. There's a lot of miracles going on because God's revealing his truth at that time. But when you go in between those gaps, there's not really miracles going on in those days either. The reason we're not living in a miracle age, y'all, is because God's truth has now been revealed to us in a completed, perfect book. And we have that. And if you want to know what the truth of God is today, you don't need me to come up here and perform a miracle. Thank goodness. You don't need me to do that to prove I'm of God and then tell you something. All you have to do is take the book that's in your hand and make sure everything that comes out of my mouth is the same thing that came out of God's mouth. But, but though I don't believe we're living in a, in a miracle age, I do believe 
that the great physician does want to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Do you believe that? In, without anybody in this room possessing the gift of healing, and despite the fact that we don't live in a miracle age, do you realize that 77% of the blindness in our world could be prevented or treated, and some say as high as 90%? But do you know why it doesn't get prevented or treated? Because the people that so desperately need what we have right at our disposal can't get to it. Does that sound like anything else to you? They can't get to a doctor to get the healing that could recover sight to their blind eyes. Over a billion people in this world don't have access to the medicine that they need for everyday sickness and infections and blindness, of course, included in that. And and I'm just thinking that maybe what God may be trying to show us is that Jesus is just as interested in recovering sight to the blind in the 21st century as he was in the first century. That's how we felt about the poor, wasn't it? That's how we felt about the brokenhearted. That's how we felt about the captives. Now we're talking about the blind. We just need to provide them what they need. We don't need a miraculous gift. They need what's right at our disposal. This is what we were talking about last week when we talked about Matthew 5.16. Matthew 5.16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so let me just ask you, who better to shine your good works in front of than people who live in total darkness? Who better to see your good works than people that can't see anything? And maybe the, the first thing that they see, imagine this, the first thing that they see would be the eyes of somebody who in the name of Jesus loved them enough to come and, and to provide the love and care that Jesus would provide to them if he was here on this planet. And, and then maybe we'd have the opportunity from there to share with them the message that will bring them out of the real blindness that they're in. That's what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about seeing your good works and glorifying your Father in heaven. I think we tend to think, let's just get them the gospel. That's great. Let's get them the gospel. But you do realize that part about seeing the good works too, right? Slapping them over the head with the gospel doesn't always get us where we're trying to go. So that's the statistics from the physical perspective. But, but, but what does the situation look like and what did the statistics look like from a spiritual perspective? The situation and statistics from a spiritual perspective. Right, right now on this planet, there are just under 8 billion people in the world. Now, now, when God looks at the 8 billion people in the world, how many blind people does he see? Now, does anybody think that when God looks down at this planet, he only sees that 43 million that I mentioned that were blind physically? You, you understand this morning that from God's vantage point, when he looks at this planet, the vast majority of the people that he sees and that he looks at on this planet, he sees them as blind. And that that in the Bible, God is using physical blindness to teach us about spiritual blindness. He uses it to teach us about the spiritual reality of what's going on in the world as men sit in darkness, void of truth, in their life and without spiritual sight whatsoever. In, in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 21, God said through Jeremiah, Hear now this, O foolish people and without understanding, which have eyes and see not. And, and what I want you to, to see this morning is that when God looks down on this vast planet, earth and the eight billion people here he sees the vast majority of them who have physical eyes but they don't see what god intends them to see they have they have the physical ears even but they can't hear what god wants them to hear 
In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15, Jesus said, For this people's heart is waxed gross. In, in other words, it's, it's like they've got clogged arteries in their hearts. And this people's hearts, it's waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. And I want you to see that God wants to heal the physically blind people of the planet, but he wants to do more than just heal them physically. He wants to heal these blind people spiritually. In, In John chapter 12 and verse 46 Jesus said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Darkness, void of spiritual truth. And again, let's understand this morning as we're, as we're trying to make this 21st century identification of who these blind people are in the world, understand that from God's vantage point today, he looks at this 21st century world, he looks at the almost 8 billion people, and he sees that most of them are sitting in spiritual blindness. At least half of them have never even heard the gospel. They don't know the name of Jesus Christ at all. There, Listen, y'all, and, and I don't mean to offend anyone, but there are almost 1.3 billion Roman Catholics on this planet. And if they believe what Roman Catholicism teaches, they are blinded in the name of Jesus. They're blinded in the name of the gospel. It's what Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 4. It's another Jesus. It's, a, it's another gospel. It's another spirit. If they they use the same terminologies oftentimes, and they're blinded to the fact that the salvation that's preached in that church is not the same one declared in this book. Over a billion people think they're okay in the name of Jesus in just that religion. And when you talk to them about Jesus and the gospel, they're like, yeah, I know all that stuff. And they think they're okay and they're blind. And what about the Muslims? And what about the Hindus? And what about the Buddhists? Billions of them. You understand what I say then when I say that the vast majority of humanity lives in blindness. And a lot of this blindness, it it comes from Satan. A lot of the blindness comes from satan and that's, that's the next point in your uh, the blindness that comes from satan the blindness that is the result of the law of sin and death the blindness that is the result of the law of sin and death if if we go back to genesis chapter three it, god had already created man and he'd already created woman and and he, he's told him about his desire to, to walk in fellowship with him. And he's given them the warning, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And by the time we get to chapter 3, Satan is in the form of a, of a serpent. And he's having a conversation with Eve. And he's trying to get her to eat of the tree, of course, that God told her not to eat of. And now the thing that you have to understand is, is, is that... The first man and the first woman at this point in history, man, they can see like we never have dreamed of. They can see God. They can see God's truth in such color. And they see everything that God wants them to see. That's what they see. And part of what Satan does is he says to the woman in Genesis 3, verse 4 and 5, he says, And the serpent said unto the woman... Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now the weirdest part of that is, is that Satan is actually telling them some truth right there. If they ate of it, their eyes would be opened just like he said. 
Look at what verse 7 says of Genesis chapter 3. And the eyes of them both were opened. Now, now listen, before their eyes were opened, they had such a, a God consciousness. They had such a God awareness. They were able to see him and his truth so vividly that they were actually blind to a lot of things. You know what one of them was? They, they were blind to themselves. But you know what happened as soon as their eyes were opened? Both of their eyes were opened and they were like, I'm naked. I'm, I, 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 don't, I ain't got no clothes. That's what they realized. You remember that? They realized that right away. That's the first thing they noticed. They looked down and they were like, uh-oh. And, and self-consciousness enters the world, and it just about sends the whole world to hell year after year after year. We now have a major obsession with self. We are very self-aware. Their, their eyes were so open to everything God wanted them to see prior to the fall, and they were so blind to everything that God didn't want them to see. They sinned, and now their eyes were open to everything God didn't want them to see, and they're blind to everything God did want them to see. But listen, in, in making this 21st century identification of the blind, we've got to see this blindness that came as a result of Satan. But there's another group of people that we better identify that are actually a little more peculiar. This is a group of people whose eyes opened to the truth of the gospel and they received it. But then after receiving it, they became blind. Anybody know who I'm talking about? It's us. <laughs> Let's talk for a second about the blindness that comes from God. Did you realize that was a thing? There's a blindness that comes from God and most of us have the disease in Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 9, God says, stay yourselves, or relax, chill just for a second. Stay yourselves and wonder, cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep. Not the devil, the Lord, and hath closed your eyes. Again, not the devil, the Lord, the prophets, and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. They have no, they have, do you have, do you have Isaiah, let's see, do you have 44, Isaiah 44, 18. Do you have Isaiah 44, 18? They have not known nor understood, for he hath shut their eyes that they cannot see in their hearts that they cannot understand. And so you see what I'm saying here. And then when we go to the New Testament, there's a letter that Jesus wrote to, to seven churches in Asia Minor around 95 AD. And when put into the, their context, and I don't have the time to lay this out in detail, but when put in their context in the book of Revelation, those seven letters to those real seven churches represent seven periods of church history from a prophetic standpoint. The, the seventh and final one just so happens to be the one that we're living in and is laid out for us in the letter to the Laodiceans. Now, the Laodiceans means the, the rights of the people. And Jesus writes a scathing letter to the Christians in our day. And he says in Revelation 3.17. Because thou sayest. Listen we may not say this with our mouth. But we say it with our life. Because thou sayest I am rich. And increased with goods. And have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched. And miserable and poor and blind and naked. He says, while you think you've got it all and know it all, what you don't know is you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And, and, and what we begin to see is, is we're the people who had our eyes open to the truth that saved our souls, but something happened to us after he opened our eyes. 
Something happened to those eyes that blinded us. And this blindness is the result of, of several things that we find in the Word of God. And, and to help us keep it together, we're going to use an acronym so we can be reminded of how we got into this condition. First, it's, it's something that we already mentioned. It's the love of self. It's the love of self. When man sinned and his eyes were opened, self-consciousness has been alive and well ever since. But, but it, it's been in every generation since the garden, but it didn't get perfected until our generation. We really mastered this one. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 says that, that we, we see that it, it's, it isn't just that man has an awareness of himself or likes himself or thinks about himself often, but what characterizes the last days is that we've taken it to the level where we just love ourselves. We just can't get enough of our own selves. And the way it shakes out for Laodicean believers is that we're so focused on ourselves that we can't see anything past us. Everything in the Bible must revolve around me, right? Everything in my life revolves around me. I'm so blind to everything in this vast world that God wants me to see as a believer in Jesus Christ because I'm so in love with myself that I can't see past me. And that's how it goes for us. There's a second thing that leads to blindness. It's the lure of immorality. The second thing that leads to blindness is the lure of immorality. It affects your sight, y'all. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 14. Tell me if this is descriptive of our day. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. They're full and that's all they see. And their whole world revolves around sex and it blinds us to what god wants us as believers in jesus christ to see in, in jeremiah chapter 22 and verse 17 he says but thine eyes and thine heart are not but for thy covetousness covetousness in colossians 3 5 is connected with immorality the sin of wanting more Wanting what's out of bounds for us. Eyes full of adultery. How'd we get, how'd we get in the Laodicea? That's how we got in this Laodicean condition that we're in. Love of self. Eyes full of adultery. And then thirdly, lack of growth. Lack of, lack of growth. In 2 Peter chapter 1. In verses 5 and 6, it says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. God wants us to grow past our faith. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness char charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is, is what? Blind. It, it's a lack of growth. The fourth thing is a, is a, life, of, a life of haughtiness. A life of, of haughtiness. Haughtiness is basically pride jacked up a few notches it's what god was describing in revelation three seventeen about what we think about ourselves in laodicea rich and increased with goods having need of nothing you know what that is it's the epitome of haughtiness to think that we've got it going on spiritually and that haughty spirit is what makes us blind John chapter 9 is, is all, about a, it's all about a blind guy. He was, he, he's a guy that was born blind, and, and Jesus passes by, and, and he heals the guy. 
and it just so happens to be the Sabbath day. And, and so it freaks out all the religious leaders. And, 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 you know, wow, this guy has broken the Sabbath. And they all freak. And they, they want to know, hey, who, who is this that healed you? And they end up kicking the guy that got healed out of the synagogue. I mean, wow. And, and, and Jesus does what he always does. And he takes the physical and he teaches us something spiritual in John 9, 39, Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world that they which see, excuse me, that they which see not might see. Like the blind guy, of course, that he just healed. And that they which see might be made blind. Like the haughty people that think they see so well. The religious leaders, the Pharisees right here. Like the Laodiceans right here. And, and, some of, and some of the Pharisees were with him, heard these words, and said unto him, Are, are we blind also? Like, how, how dare you? Right? Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. You know what he's saying there? He, he's saying, If you were blind, you'd come to me as Messiah and find forgiveness of sin. But now ye say, we're rich and increased with goods and have need. Oh, sorry, wrong passage. But now ye say, we see, therefore your sin remaineth. In other words, therefore you'll die and go to hell because of your haughtiness. You're too proud to come to me. In Matthew 15 and verse 10. Says, and it, it says, Jesus says, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. You see, the Pharisees got all, all freaked out because the disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. I can't imagine how bad they'd freak out after a, after a COVID outbreak if they did that. <laughs> but they're freaking out. Because they, because they didn't wash their hands before they ate. So Jesus calls the multitude and he teaches them, it's not what goes in your mouth that you really have to worry about, but the stuff that comes out of it. Matthew 15 and verse 12, continuing on, Then he came to his disciples and he said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? Jesus, you know you ticked these dudes off back here, right? Like, these guys are steaming mad. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. He's saying these people are willfully blind, so just let them alone. Man, that right there, folks, is a horrifying statement. So you know what I wonder? How long do we get to stay in our Laodicean blindness before we're willfully blind? And Jesus says, leave them alone. They're right where they want to be. They're blind because they like being blind. So just leave them alone. And that's why we're going through this series. If you come in here on a Sunday and you're being rebuked by the word of God and you're being chastened, then rejoice because I don't think he's left you alone yet. And what he's saying to us, Laodiceans in Revelation 3, remember he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. The best thing that can happen is for us to come into this room and have God wear us out with his word. But we need to understand where this blindness comes from. The love of self, the lure of immorality, the lack of growth, the life of haughtiness, and then next, the lust for things. The lust for, for things. In 1 John chapter 2, in verse 15, it says, 
Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And that lust of the eyes, those things we look at and that we want so desperately, they blind us. They blind us to everything that God is wanting us to see in this vast world that he loves. But we can't see it because of the lust for things. God says to us in, in Revelation 3.18, he says, Here's my counsel to you about your blind eyes. Here's the counsel. Look at the end of the verse. Anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. He says, anoint your eyes with eye salve. But where do you go to anoint your eyes with eye salve? Where do I come upon this salve you speak of? Well, there are, there are seven letters to seven churches in Revelation, as I mentioned earlier, the last of which is the letter to the Laodiceans, which is us. Paul also write seven letters to seven churches, the Galatians, the Corinthians, the Colossians, I won't name them all. But what God does for us is, is he takes one book of the Bible written to the church in the New Testament, and he drops the word Laodicea in there five different times to get our attention, just to see if we're listening, see if we're paying attention. And it just so happens it's the book of Colossians. So I think that the ISAV might be hiding in the book of Colossians that he's talking about in Revelation. So, so for the love of self that we talked about, how about this I salve from the book of Colossians for that love of self? Colossians 3, 8, and 9. You know what he tells us to do? Put off the old man. You know who that is? It's that old man that used to sit on the throne of our life that when it didn't get its way was filled with anger and wrath and malice and filthy communication and lying. So he says, here's the eye salve that you need. Put off the old man. How about for the lure of immorality? Colossians 3, 5. How about this eye salve for the lure of immorality? mortify or put to death therefore your members the members of your body which are upon the earth fornication uncleanness inordinate affection evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry how about some isav for our lack of growth that we just talked about how about some isav out of the book of colossians there you know what he says in colossians 3:10 he says, and, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Okay, put, we already said put off that old man, that self that used to sit on the throne, and allow the Lord Jesus Christ, the new man, to rule and reign in you. How about some I salve for, for haughtiness? How about some I salve for that? Colossians 3.12, he, he goes into the description of the new man he says he says here's what i'm talking about putting on put on bowels of mercies kindness humbleness of mind meekness long suffering get rid of the haughtiness and the pride that left you blind and put on the lord jesus christ and his humility and then how about some i salve for the love of things how about the, some i salve for that how about Colossians 3, 1 and 2? It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Those are the things you should seek. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. The things down here will blind you. You need to set your affection on the things that are above. Now, I know we've taken a lot of time to make a 21st century identification of, of who these people are, but 
Some are, some are in, in spiritual darkness who are on the path to spend eternity separated from God in hell. And there are others that do have eyes to see that have been blinded because of the things that we just talked about. But secondly, if we're ever going to have a ministry that's a parallel paradigm to the ministry of Jesus, we must capture God's heart for the blind. We must capture God's heart for the blind. This answers the question, why? Why should I concern myself with the blind? And the answer, once again, of course, is that Jesus has a heart for blind people. He, he, he has a heart for them so much so that when the Lord Jesus Christ came to this planet, he says, I came to bring recovering of sight to the blind. He didn't have to include them in the list, and he does. He says in Isaiah 42, in verse 16, And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. Isn't that wonderful? He says, I'll lead you. I'll I'll bring light. I'll make things straight and I won't forsake you. That's his heart for the blind. In Psalm 146 and verse 8, it says, The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. In Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2, it says, Arise, shine. For thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. Oh, but listen. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. You know why we're doing what we're doing out of Luke 4? For that last part of Isaiah 60 and verse 2. So the Lord will arise upon us and His glory will be seen upon us and then through us to the uttermost part of the earth. But listen, if we're going to have a ministry that's a parallel paradigm to the ministry of Jesus, we've got to capture God's heart. And then thirdly, we must develop a biblical attitude toward the blind. A biblical attitude. Develop a biblical attitude toward the blind. This answers the question, what? What's to be my attitude toward the blind? We were just in Genesis chapter 3, and and Satan tells them that that God knows that your eyes are going to be open if if you eat this. And they sin, and that's what happens. Their eyes were open. But remember that prior to that, they could see all that God wanted them to see and couldn't see what he didn't want them to see. And, and all of a sudden, sin enters into the world and they could see everything God didn't want them to see and were blind to what he, he wanted them to see. And somehow, whatever happened when our eyes got opened because of sin, there's something that connects with our eyes and our mind. And somehow, that opening of our eyes opened our minds to be able to be attacked by Satan. Because it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, In whom the God of this world, that Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So listen, man's eyes open to what he wasn't supposed to see and he got blinded. And now mind's man has a hard time getting God's truth. And there's actually, you know, there's no doubt that there could be people that are here this morning and they look up at me and I am just some guy that is flapping away at the mouth and flapping gums. You hear me ranting and raving but you can't see what I'm saying. And it's because this verse is in operation. That's why. 
Your eyes are open to what God doesn't want you to see and yet blind to what he wants you to see. And Satan's maneuvering and working on the whole thing. 2 Timothy 2.26, we looked at this last week. He holds people captive at his will. And that's one of the ways he does it. He blinds the minds. And we've got to understand that God has given us the responsibility to recover sight to those people. It's what Jesus came to do, and it's what we were left here to do, and it's what God still wants to do. In, in Acts chapter 26, in verse 17, Paul said that the, that the Lord had, had sent him to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and the power of Satan unto God. Listen, the, the attitude that, that we have to have is these people have been blinded by Satan and God has sent us. And like the Lord Jesus Christ, like John the Baptist, like the Apostle Paul, now God has us here to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. That's the attitude that we have to develop. Satan's got the blinders on him, but we've been sent to recover sight to the blind. And then number four, if we're going to have a ministry that's a parallel paradigm to the ministry of Jesus, we must follow Jesus' example in ministering to the blind. We must follow Jesus' example in ministering to the blind. You know what we need to do? We need to do exactly what Jesus did. This answers the question how. How are we to carry out this ministry? We do it like Jesus. We, we love them like Jesus. Letter, letter A, like Jesus, we must have a vision for those whose vision has left them in darkness. Like Jesus, we must have a vision for those whose vision has left them in darkness. We've got to have a vision for what it could be for this group of people to understand that the blind people of this world are really just a metaphor. So, so we begin to go, just like Jesus did, in the fullness of the Spirit, we're going to be seeking to provide recovering of sight to blind eyes. we got to have a vision for those whose vision has left them in darkness and then let her be. Like Jesus, we must exercise our ability to recover the sight of the physically blind to provide opportunities to teach the world that God wants to recover the sight of the spiritually blind. We... We, we, we've got to exercise our ability. No, it's not the first century gift of healing, but for most of the world, it doesn't have to be. We just need to bring them what we've got at our disposal, and we exercise that so that we can have the opportunity to do what Jesus did and tell them and teach them about spiritual blindness. And, and, if, and if we got people like that, what they... What they need to help them recover their sight. If we, if we had those people that were, that were like that, we helped these people recover their, their physical sight, you don't think they'd listen to what we had to say as to why it was that we came if we came to help them like that? You don't think that they would see our good works and maybe as a result glorify our Father that's in heaven? Man, I think that if we had a vision like that, God could use this group of people like that. Let her see. Like Jesus, we must make certain our vision does not become impaired, leaving us unable to see the blind the way our Father sees them. And, and like I've said before in this series, I, I don't know that we'll ever see them the way that God sees them, until our hearts are ready to feel about them the way God feels about them. When our hearts are ready to feel it, then man, buddy, embrace for impact, because I think we're getting ready to see it. It's an entrustment that God gives us, but we've got to make sure 
that we've got eyes to see it. Listen, a typical Laodicean believer, that's the end of the study sheet, but don't check out on me. A typical Laodicean believer will never see the people of this planet the way God wants us to see them and will never feel about them the way that God feels about them. Something has to happen where we anoint our eyes and we're free from things that are impairing our vision. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. We need eye salve to anoint our eyes so that we might see what God sees when he sees this planet in spiritual darkness, including the vast majority of 8 million people on this planet. Do you, do you have eyes to see it? Maybe a better question is, do you, do you have a heart that's ready to see it? Jesus, we, we love you, and man, we, every single person in this room was blind at some point, and so we are so thankful that you came for people like us that are blind, that need to recover their sight. Wow, what a, what a heart that you have for people, God. We want to have that heart too. We're, we're praying for it, God. We want to have that heart. We want to uh, feel about people the way that you do. We want to see them like you see them. We want to be able to see past ourselves. God, this obsession with self, there's so many things in this world that are blinding us, God, that we can't see past them because we're so focused on these, on these temporal things. And I'm asking you today, God, that you would stir in people's hearts, that you would, that, man, by your grace, may we never come in here with just some more head knowledge and some more interesting facts about the Bible. My goodness, we're wasting our time if we're doing that. But may we truly change our hearts and become a, a, a contributor to the mission, God. May we fulfill the ministry that you gave each and every one of us, God. We've got a purpose for being on this planet. And it isn't to just wake up and work and do it all over again the next day, God. We have a real purpose that you left here for us. We are the body of Christ. May we act like it. In your name we pray. Amen.